Amen. Right on. So we close this up, the basic series. Last week we did evangelism, and many of you know Pastor Billy Graham uh, passed away. And um, what an interesting thing for us to have talked talked on it and then to see a mantle be passed to this generation at the same time. So if you missed the sermon on evangelism, I would encourage you to jump back and listen to it. Uh, you know, Billy Graham, you know, they say he's the pastor of America, uh, but really what I would say I remember, or my, my thing that we would know of him and that's said of him, is he taught us, not only Americans and not only pastors, but he really taught the world what it is to leave the 99 for the one, yeah. to, to, to grasp evangelism and reaching people um, and its high importance. Uh, so again, if you missed evangelism, go back and, and listen to that sermon. I, I hope it blesses you, but um, I find it fitting in the season and culture that we're in uh, that it was last week. So jump into that. Uh, today, uh, we talk about everybody's favorite topic. A couple times a year, we get to talk about money. And, uh, and honestly, this is just the true statistic. The true statistic is it's the hardest sermon for a pastor to preach. Uh, it's met with the most resistance out of any sermon topic, and it actually causes the most amount of people statistically to leave a church the sermon or the topic of money in a church. And so you can all get real tense right now and get real worried, uh, or you can relax and just understand that uh, it's a blessing that God's word has a plan for our money. It's actually a blessing that God's word has a plan for our money. And, uh, and so it's a shame that this being such a tense topic has actually caused most pastors to stop talking about it. And what a ripoff, what a disservice that some pastors say, hey, we, we don't want to step into this realm of this topic of money because it's controversial, and so we'll avoid it. What a jip that would be, that if Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined, and then pastors say, hey, we don't want to touch it, what a disservice we're doing to the blessing on your life. Right. Amen? Right. So that just won't be said of this church, that we resist it or we stay away from it, because I would actually say this, every basic category that we've talked about needs to have the proper financial platform to be successful. So I'd actually say every basic principle that we need in God does have to do with resources and our finances. Amen? God has a plan to make sure you're equipped and taken care of and put together so that you can be successful in the call and see the victory that he wants you to have in your walk with him. Amen? So what happens is the enemy, he knows these things. He knows the power and proper stewardship, and he knows the power of uh, running our resources properly and being diligent with what God has given us. He knows the power in that, so he does what? He works very hard at making us live the opposite way. So you see in the kingdom of God, he sees that prayer is such a powerful thing, so he keeps us so busy and so distracted that we don't pray. Uh, you see that unity is such a big thing in the body of Christ and in the kingdom that what he does is he turns up pride in our life and selfishness. And so he causes us to want to be about ourselves instead of being about each other. And it takes away. Amen. Uh, you see that the call of the Christian, it says that, hey, uh, they're going to be known by their love and their compassion and their care for one another. That's how you'll know that we're one of the disciples. So what have we done? The enemies uh, pressured us and, and, and encouraged us, and, and things have set into our life that we've gone from being a compassionate Christian full of love for one another that we've become these rule enforcers, and we've, and we've gotten harsh, and we've gone the opposite. Why? Because the enemy's like, hey, there's a strength in that, so let's see if we can get them to be the opposite. 
And it's the same thing in this. God's called us to be a people who understand generosity and sowing and reaping and all and giving. It's better to give than it is to receive. And so if that's a strength, the enemy's over here like, no, no, no. Make it about yourself and hold on to what you have. And Amen. And so we got to work hard at uh, living the way God called us to. And I believe this generosity, generosity, and you all know this because you watch shows about it and we get excited about it, but generosity brings out the best in Christianity. Being generous, a generous person, generosity brings out the best in Christian people. Uh, We've seen uh, things where uh, a special offering is taken and it changes somebody's life or it changes a ministry or it launches a ministry or you've seen things where uh, a church has maybe donated something to a single mom or maybe you grew up in church back in the day when people used to do holy handshakes. You know, they put a $100 bill in their hand, they go up and they bless them, they shake somebody's hand and give them that money. They call it a holy handshake. Uh, but this idea of generosity, this spontaneous like loving one another in a resourceful way Uh, It brings out some of the best stories of God in our relationship as people. Amen? And and I believe it's because God made us to be that way. Generosity changes people's eternity. If you think about it, like there's a lot of things you can invest in and you can see things grow and you can see things produced. But you know that with your resources, you can literally change somebody's eternity. We actually saw this modeled by God, and you've heard me say this a lot, when he says, for God so loved the world, he gave. He was generous. Our eternities were changed because God was generous. Amen? And so generosity changes people's lives. I believe that as you give to things and doors are open and people experience God's love, their eternities are changed. Uh, It goes along with that saying that we've all heard before that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What's a quick way to show somebody how much you care about them? Meet their physical need. Take care of them in resources. Maybe buy them something or, 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 or you know, donate them something. And they'd say, hey, man, that person must really care because they've, they've what? They've invested in me. They've taken heart in me. Amen? So there's this idea that I started messing with um, as I was putting all this together. I've actually had this sermon done for a while, and then I started to have this thought. Because what I felt like, I don't even really want to talk that much about tithes today, even though tithing is, is a part of how we steward our resources. But I really want us to walk away with this truth of this, that God wants you and your resources taken care of. Like, he, he wants you fully equipped in the realm of your resources and what you have in your money and your bank accounts. God wants you properly set up so you can be successful and have victory in your walk with him. And he wants to do that in your resources. Amen. Amen. So anytime I've been taught to study things, you always start all the way back at the beginning. So if I go all the way back to the beginning, and this is just kind of an idea, and and I want you to just kind of think on it and and get the big principle of it. But you go all the way back to the beginning and you go, okay, how did God set this thing up? So he created us. He cares about us. He's got a plan for us. Uh, How did he originally set this up? Well, this is where we find Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden, and God says to him basically this hey, I've given you every resource that you need. Now go tend to it and take care of it. Go steward it. God's original design was for you to have everything that you needed to be successful with him. Amen. Uh, The animals, he said, hey, take care of this and name this and do this. In the Garden of Eden, there was everything. You had all resources that you needed to, to live with God and be with God because we know God was in the garden, right? So the original design was for you to have no worry about resources. Amen. Amen. So then think about this. 
So he made him ruler over all resources, and then Adam and Eve chose satisfaction over the stability of God's principles. So I'm going to put you in the garden, and you're going to have everything that you need. So when you're, and this is what I love about Robert, Pastor Robert Morris. Uh, he uses that phrase that says, uh, it's best when we do it God's way, which is God's principles, God's way of doing things. So he's like, hey, I've put you here, and I've given you these laws and principles. I've given you this way to do it, and, and go do these things. Avoid that tree. Don't do that. So here's my laws and principles. Don't do that. Do this, and you'll have the better way to live. And what happened is they chose satisfaction over the stability or the promises of God's principles. Now, is it possible that we do that today too? God says, hey, here's my principles, here's my promises, here's my way of, uh, of being successful in this thing. And then we choose temporal satisfaction over the stability of God's principles. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We do the same thing. God says, hey, it's better if you do it this way and if you live this way and you follow. And we go, oh, but that looks good. I'll take some of that. And we choose this temporal thing over God's principles. And then what you notice is uh, for the first time, they were left feeling the weight of their lack. All of a sudden, Adam's like, hey, I don't, I'm not clothed. I'm naked. I'm missing this. I don't have that. They have this pressure then of being under-resourced. Amen? Because what? Because they made a choice of something temporal that satisfied them in the moment instead of sticking to the principles that God laid out for them. We do the same thing. God's desire in our life is for us to stick to the principles and the promises that he laid out. Why? So that you don't feel the weight of lack. Amen? So I brought four things that we need to look at when it comes to, to money. The topic of the sermon is prosperity or being taken care of. Now, I know that that term makes a lot of us just sick to our stomach when we think of the term prosperity in the church world. But, but God does have a desire for you to be prosperous and be taken care of and be resourced so that you can be successful in the kingdom. Amen? So four thoughts here that I think we really need to tackle when it comes to this idea that God wants you taken care of so that you can see success. Point number one. God cares about what we do with what he has given to us. God cares about what you do with what he's given to you. It matters to him. He pays attention to it. How many of you have ever gotten like a, a candy or your kids have gotten a candy or as you grow up, your parents gave you something and they said something like this to you. Basically, do whatever you want with it, but when it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> so I've given it to you. Do whatever you want with it. I don't really care. Do you know that's not God's desire about the things that he gives us? God's desire is actually, hey, I've given you this. I've blessed you this. I've equipped you with this. But do something great with it. Use it properly. Why? So that I can give you more. There's not this mentality of like, well, I better give them down there something. And what they do with it is what they do with it. When it's gone, it's gone. No, God's got an eye on what we do with our resources. Why? Because he wants to increase us. That's where we see in Matthew 25, 14, the parable of the talents. There's three guys. He gives them each a different number. And God does what? He pays attention to what they do with it. And then he responds in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things that will make you ruler over many things. So if God is paying attention to what we do with our resources, how many of you know we need to pay attention to what we're doing with our resources? Do you know that most Christians polled, uh, they get brought in and people ask them, what percent of your money goes to this and what percent of your money goes to this? And most of us don't have an answer for that. We don't know how much we spent on out to eat last month. We don't know how much we spent. Uh, and I'm going to start kicking sacred cattle here, but at Starbucks or at this or right, you actually don't know that number. 
Uh, and God is saying, hey, I'm paying attention to what you're doing with your money. We ought to pay attention specifically to what we do with all of our money. The scripture says that we're to number our days and spend them accordingly. So take what you have and put things in place and then execute accordingly. Amen? So God pays attention to it. If God is interested in what we do with our money, we ought to be interested in what we do with our money. Scripture says God is going to watch. According to the scripture, he's going to watch and judge what we do with our money. And so I think part of it is where you spend it. Uh, and, and again, this isn't me getting into a sermon about, oh, don't spend money on movies and don't spend money on. But what I'm saying is this. The scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So I think God is looking to promote and advance the kingdom and his work here on earth. And he wants to do that through you. So I think he's interested in making sure that your heart is in the kingdom. Because yeah. yeah. where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And God wants his resources in the kingdom to advance. Amen. So we got to make sure our heart is in the kingdom. Uh, you've heard it said before, and I've heard it said before, show me your checkbook, and I'll show you your heart. What you invest in is what you love. You invest in what you love. So we say things like, I love God. I'm on fire for God. I want to see God move. But do our lives prove that? Do we show that? Have we invested in our heart in missions and, and other organizations and things making a difference in our community? Amen. And so God is paying attention to what we do with our resources. We should too. Point number two, this is an interesting one. God doesn't need your money, but you do. God doesn't need your money, but you do. So many people say, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied, but you need money. <laughs> Amen. It's okay for you to be able to say like, you need money. You need money in life. Money does things for us. Psalm 24, one does say this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So everything in this earth and, and money and all riches and all things are God's. We know that he doesn't need the money, but you do need money. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so you don't, so he doesn't need the money, but you do check this out. He doesn't need your money, but you need him in your money. You need God in your money. You need him in your finances. You need him in your resources. And we'll get into a little bit more uh, here in a minute. But money can do things for us. It can get us places. It can buy us homes, cars, advance our schooling. It, it provides food, gives us the things we need in technology, clothes, medicine. Money is at the center of everything. If money is such a big part of our world, then don't you want to make sure that God's principles are in place in it? Yeah. Isn't that interesting that money makes up such a huge part of our world, and yet many of us don't take God's plans and put them in a part of our money? Oh, no, I got this, God. I can handle this one on my own. I heard the Dave Ramsey radio one time. I got this. Isn't that insane? Money makes up such a huge part of every single thing that happens in our life, and yet we choose a lot of times to eliminate God's plans and principles for how money should be used we got to make sure if it's such a big part that God's principles and plans are a big part of that. Amen? Bill Gates, we look at and we say, oh, if I was just Bill Gates. Uh, he's on pace along with the Amazon guy. And uh, many of you are, are really assisting. I'm a big part of this as well. Um, I don't get home and I can't get into my home until I've stepped over at least two Amazon boxes. Who's with me? Amen, right? Like, and, um, and, and, and so Bill Gates and the Amazon guy, they're both on pace to be the first trillionaire in human history. And some interesting data about Bill Gates here is uh, if, you, if you currently had $225,000 in your pocket and you lost 47 cents in this chair that you're sitting in, 
Bill Gates would have to lose $2.1 million to equal what you lost. If you had $225,000 in your pocket and you made a car payment of $239, Bill Gates would have to make a car payment of $1.6 billion. But you know Bill Gates can't do more with money than what God can do with money? I mean, think about it. We say, oh, if I was just Bill Gates, if I just had that kind of money, if I had that kind of portfolio. But what if you just trusted your portfolio to God? What if you trusted your resources to a God who can do more than that? Amen? And it's so easy for us to sit here and say, amen, that's true. I believe that. But the hard work of sitting down and putting that into action is where we make up the difference. Amen? This is a big one. Uh, And this is where church gets kind of funny about it. The world doesn't get as funny about it as church people do. But point number three, money isn't the root of all evil. So many Christians say, oh, just money, avoid money. You know, people, oh, you don't want to be, you don't want to have money. You don't want to have stuff. That's ungodly. First uh, Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And then I love this second part. We all really know the first part. But the second part says, for which some have strayed away from faith in greediness. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. But money works like this. Uh, money is a tool. Uh, it's like this microphone. It's a good thing if I'm using it properly. If I'm trying to use it as a hammer, it's probably not going to have much success. Money is a tool. It's a thing that you use, and in its proper context, it's okay. Money is not good or bad. It just depends on how you use it. Amen? Uh, Money is okay until you chase it. Uh, Many of us have got into that rat race of that chase, that next best thing. You have destination disease. I'll be happy when I get to that. As soon as we buy that, or as soon as we move to there, or as soon as I finally get to that amount in the account, then I'll be happy, and you start chasing it. Uh, you remember the dollar bill game where you like put a money on a string, and then you hid in the bushes, and as people came along, you pulled the thing, and people start falling all over the place and banging into things and smashing into lockers? That's what the second part of that scripture means. It's when people start chasing money and pursuing, and all that's on their mind is grabbing that next money. For some have strayed away from the faith in greediness. People that are chasing that money on a string look like a fool. They're banging into stuff. They're messing up their life. They're making all this scene. That's what happens when we put money first in our life. We start getting greedy and we start getting away from the faith and we start banging into things and chasing things and messing ourselves up. We end up looking foolish. Amen? Amen? You guys act like you don't know anything about that. (laughs) But that's what the devil does to you. I mean, he sets those traps in your life. And you see that commercial on the radio or you hear that thing, you say, ooh, that would be nice if I got that. I would be happy if we bought that thing. And you start just chasing after that thing and chasing after that thing. And all of a sudden you wake up and you go, man, how did I get here? How did I wreck so many things? Well, it's because you went into love of money and started chasing it. Amen? Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. What does it mean? It means the pathway Along the pathway to God, along the pathway to righteousness and seeking him is everything that you're going to need. You ever see a runner running along in a race, and as they're just going along, someone puts out the cup of water. They either throw it on their head or take a drink. That's really what the kingdom of God and the path of righteousness is. You put him first. You're seeking that goal. You're seeking, And as you're going, all that you need is, is handed unto you. <laughs> no, you don't believe that either? Okay. <laughs> I'm just telling the sermon, but you guys can believe what you want. But I've seen it that way in my life. You just keep putting God first. You just keep grinding. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, how did that happen that way? 
How did that success get put into our life? How did that come together like that? I feel like we didn't even effort. Yeah, because that's the scripture. You're seeking first. You're putting God first. And everything else gets put in. Yeah. Amen. If you're chasing stuff and not seeking God, then you'll miss what he has for you. I thought about it like this. You can't get something from somebody you don't go to. We can't say, oh, seek God and everything else. All that God has for me will be added unto me. Well, if we don't go unto God, he can't add it to you. In your resources, when you get a paycheck or when you see an advancement or when you make your budget, are you going to God and saying, God, I want to put you first in this? And you can, we got to go to God first to be able to receive from him. Amen. If your hands are full of things that you think will bless you or protect you, then you're going to miss what God is trying to give you. How you behave is what you actually believe. How you behave is what you actually believe. So many of us believe, oh, God wants to bless us and we seek him first. He'll add to us. But how you behave, the the structures that you put in place to be able to receive, it really comes down to how you really believe. And then point number four, I really want to get this one uh, for us to take home because this one gets a little controversial uh, when it comes to the church world. Point number four, God isn't anti-prosperity. So many people say, oh, it's not right for Christians to be blessed. Oh, it's not right for uh, Christians to have stuff, for, for, for God to bless people and advance people. And, and we believe, oh, Jesus was poor. And she, no, Jesus had everything that he needed in life. Amen. Amen. And, and he was resourced in every way that he needed. You ever hear the story where they couldn't get a boat? You ever hear the story where they didn't have a, everything that they needed was in place? God was, Jesus was perfectly uh, resourced here on earth. And so I thought about it like this. Some people say God is spiritual, so he isn't into carnal things like possessions or excellence or things that look good. But Psalm 35 says, let the Lord be exalted for he delights in the prosperity of his people. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It doesn't say remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to get by. No, to produce wealth, to be able to have what you need, to be successful on earth. Amen? Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Meaning when you live the principles and the promises and the things of God, God will richly reward you. Not in a way that you got to fight for it or contend for it or scratch for it or take from somebody. There's no sorrow added to it. There's no fight. God wants you so perfectly resourced and taken care of. Amen? Amen. Um, If you just look at heaven, whenever you say, okay, what is God's plan for our life and, and how he takes care of us? Well, take a look at heaven. Heaven is full of excellence and extravagance and, and our needs being met. In Revelation 21, it says that the cities are made out of pure gold, the streets of gold. It says there are 12 gates made out of pearls. Uh, we see in Philippians 4.19 that God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, if heaven has things of pearl and things of gold, how many know it's okay for you to have some decent things? No? You're not good with that? Okay, that's fine. Well, let's just took it, let's take a look at the, the temple that God instructed Solomon to build. We see in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 that Solomon built God's house, built the temple. And if you were to make that same temple today, the scripture says that 46,000 pounds of pure gold were used to make it. If that were today, it would have been a $500 billion temple. God was okay having a nice house, a nice place to worship. Amen? Okay, we'll keep going. I thought about this. If you take a look at the world that he made for us, it's aesthetically pleasing. Uh, There's excellence. There's order to things. 
You can look at a sunset. You can look at how leaves change. You can look at how flowers bloom. You take a look at things. God, God's okay with you having some nice and excellent and orderly things. Amen? Uh, Proverbs 24.3 says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. What the scripture is saying here is by wisdom or through understanding or through the principles of God, through the things that we're taught and through, through wisdom, uh, rooms are filled. And so it's saying the success from God comes when we live out his principles and his plans. It's your rooms are filled with beautiful treasures. Amen. Says that. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I'll close with this. And obviously I've, I've kind of been beating on that a little bit. But here's obviously what we need to know. God wants you taken care of. God wants you blessed. God wants you to have uh, nice things. He, the scripture goes on and on to say how uh, you bless my people, I bless you. I'll cover you. There's all, th you're talking about Israel. I mean, there's so much blessing promise when we do it God's way. Amen. Amen. But we've also seen that message abused terribly. Uh, we've seen in the church people say, God wants you blessed and he wants you and heaven is night. Everything that I just said to you We've seen people use that message to manipulate other people. Uh, if you want a blessing like I've been blessed, then give $777 today on July 7th. 7, 7, you know, all of these manipulations take place, and, and that is not of God. Amen? But here's what I think I know is of God, is the more time you spend with God, the more you should be like God. Amen? Are we comfortable saying that? So if heaven and God's way and the stuff that he speaks and the ways that he instructs, the more that we do God's principles, if we believe that they're successful principles, then the more you walk with God, the more you give to God, the more you sacrifice for God, shouldn't you see more blessing of God on our lives? Isn't it weird that Christians get cranky when other Christians get blessed? Well, look at them over there. Look at that. You want me to go down that road? I got a little time. I got time. I'll do it. I'll do it. We're all upset when our brothers and sisters get blessed and they're increasing and they're faithful and they're going after God and you see them sacrificing and then God blesses them and we get all mad like a jealous child of God. Well, brother and sister over here got something. I didn't get nothing. Well, yeah, because you're a brat. <laughs> God can't bless you because he knew you'd act crazy. That's not a scripture and that's not also a... <laughs> but here is the truth. 3 John 2, 1 says, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things, all things prosper, your business, your house, your home, your wardrobe, your cars, everything prosper. Amen? I know that's tough for some of us to swallow, but all things prosper in all things and be healthy as what? Oh yeah, here's the kicker. As your soul prospers. As you grow in God, as you go after God, as you commit yourself to the ways of God, then God wants to prosper you and increase you. Amen? The more people grow in God, the more uh, we should see blessings follow all the days of our life. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We got to be a people who, yes, we want God's blessing in his hand on his life, our life and our, in advancement in our life. Yes, 
but our heart for it first is that as we get blessed, we give to others. Blessed to be the blessing. We're like a funnel. We're like a recycling machine of blessing. God bless me, and then I recycle that to you. Blessed. Amen? That's the desire. Why? Because it's better to be a blessing than it is to be somebody who's always receiving. I thought about it like this. Uh, as Christians, as we're trying to advance the gospel and spread God's word, and we're trying to get uh, God's word out there, think about it this way. Uh, wars were never started uh, over too much kindness, over too much compassion, over quarrels and fighting and anger never started because somebody was too generous. I'm just really sick of those people. They're just always doing too much for me. Wonder if the body of Christ would get some influence back in the community if people looked at us and were like, oh, here come those Christians again. I know they're going to be generous. Oh, we got a need. Let's go to the body of Christ and see. Amen? Not looking for a handout, but looking for help up. Amen? So those are just a few ways that God has a plan for your resources. And in this idea of basic, our resources, what we do with what God's plan is for our resources is a big deal. If so much of our world is made up of our money, then let's make sure God's plans are in our money. Amen? Let me pray for you and then we'll, we'll dismiss. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for what you're doing here today. God, I pray that uh, you continue to speak to us in this way uh, about choosing your principles, your paths, your ways over temporal satisfaction. God, I pray that we come to an understanding that uh, your desire is to bless us so that we can bless others. God, I pray that whatever areas need adjustment in our hearts or in our thinking, God, that we go back and we make those adjustments. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.